anything God does in anyone's heart is all God's work, even prayer. Hello everyone, it's Daniel again. I'm glad you're here to steep in the word with me. We are looking at Romans 8, 26 through 27. Verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is one of those sections we have to back up and figure out what is going on. What does the word likewise actually mean here? What is it referring to? There is a parallel here we can see. Likewise is referring back to something above. So in the way that God helps us in our weakness by the Spirit, He has already helped us in another way. And I think what he's referring to is the beginning of of chapter 8. Specifically, uh, the argument narrows down in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The whole of Romans chapter 8 is tying the Christian life together. We know that we have been saved only because of God's work on the cross in his Son, and he will preserve us through many sufferings and struggles. So verse 9 and 10 and 11, especially 11, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So he has preserved us and rescued us from sin on the one side, and he is providing and protecting us actively right now. And that's what verse 26 and verse 27 talk about. It's encouraging those who have been saved to look to the Spirit for help. This is why it's so important to understand that the Christian life isn't just praying the one prayer, Jesus, come into my heart. That does not save you. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That confession there is not just a quick, one-time thing. It is the same way we constantly trust that the chair we're sitting in won't collapse. We don't forget our confession in Christ. It's something that guides us and supports us through our whole life. So in the first part of Romans 8, he's reminding people that God did save us absolutely from our sins, and in verse 18, that we will continue to face sufferings from the outside and within ourselves because of the sin and death that still surrounds us. But the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We're waiting for what we do not see. We wait for it with patience because we have been promised the renewing of our minds and bodies, and it's coming. But Paul is drawing a very sharp distinction here. Just as when we were saved, we were saved by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone, as we read in Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. That is how he 
holds us up and preserves us through our struggles. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We still have weakness. We cannot improve ourselves just the same way we cannot save ourselves. Even as new life Christians, verse 26 says, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We're still failing even though we're new. How can this be? This is the tension of the Christian life. But the verse doesn't end there. It says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Christian life isn't like paddling a canoe with God. You paddle a little, and then he'll paddle a little, and hopefully the boat will go straight. No, theologians call this monergistic salvation. God's singular work on the cross is monergistic. There isn't a little bit of our works that help him out. It was all Christ's obedience that is imputed to you, all his righteousness that is covering you as a Christian. There is nothing you can do to make yourself look better. That's exactly the way Christ intercedes for us, the Spirit intercedes for us. We can't even pray right yet. We can't be in communion well with him yet. But because he loves us, he exerts all his energy with groanings too deep for words. Things we don't understand, he prays for. That's how much he loves us. Even when we're saved, he continues to work on us and work for us. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. When the Spirit indwells us, when Jesus comes into our hearts to remake us, when God looks at us and sees that, he knows what Christ wants for us. They're on the same page. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, those who are holy because of the sanctifier, Jesus, according to the will of God. I don't know how many times I've been here, but it's an awful lot. God, I don't know what to ask for. I don't know what to say. I'm in a corner. But please help me to understand what you want me to do. And often the answer is, know that I am God. As the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. That is what the message of the cross is. You're not God. You can't save yourself. There is no thing that you can do, no deed, no gesture you can do to impress me. But I am God, and I am the one who saves. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And when God starts a project like that, that costs him dearly, he doesn't waste the precious blood of his son. He allows Jesus to continue working in our hearts and working for us on our behalf when we can't do it. Because that is what God wills for us. Paul here wants us to have a big God theology. He wants us to know that God works well and that anything short of that is glorifying man. The very next verse here, verse 28, we'll talk about in the next episode, pulls all of these thoughts together, knowing that there is evil in the world, but God is using it for good, knowing that we are sinners, but he's making something beautiful out of us, knowing that 
We can't do it on our own, but God, in His infinite wisdom, does all things for us to show us His power and love and glory and to put it on display before all the rest of the world. And what this culminates in, the end of this chapter, is a resounding, powerful shout of joy from a Christian who knows without God he would be nothing. Without God, he'd be a lump of clay, or nothing at all. Without God, there is not a single ounce of us that could will itself to exist, good or bad. Isn't it wonderful to have the God of the universe send into our hearts the Spirit to pray for us when we can't? That's how mighty God's salvation is. It is not a one-time stamp of approval. It is his reclaiming of a dark kingdom and pouring into every corner of it the light of his Son who died for our sins. Let's pray. Father, even now, at the end of a long day and working on a podcast that takes a lot of energy, I know, here as we pray, there are so many questions and so many challenges from so many people listening to this right now. And I can't pray for them all at once, but as we pray together, your spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And you know what is in our heart because you have put your spirit there as a liaison to a suffering world. Thank you for redeeming us out of sin and darkness, and lifting us up into your kingdom of light and power and glory and infinite joy. We ask now that you encourage people who are lost, drive those who don't know you to despair so they might turn to you as the source of all power and life. Amen.